We have some kind of a situation here. All right. Well, I'm Michael Flake, one of the pastors here. Good to be together as a church family, whether you are cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there is room for you here. This is a safe place to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. The round reminds us our spiritual growth is not just for our own benefit. We're all here to receive something this morning, but we also all have something to give. So as we soak in the grace and truth of God's love, we can also spread that love to one more person. As you've probably noticed, they refinished the gym floor. I remember the gym floor was orange last time I saw it. Now it looks like actual wood on the gym floor. Uh, and, and there's a slight aroma that comes from refinishing gym floors. But thank you to our setup team who got here early, opened all the doors. It's a lot better than it was at 7 a.m. And uh, actually, we didn't even roll the, ch the floor looks so nice, we didn't even roll the carts, the chair carts on this morning. The setup team manually carried all the chairs from the hallway to here. So, yeah, well done. So if you could not step on the floor at all before you leave, that would be awesome. Once the kids get here, they're going to trash it, and then we won't be held responsible in any way. All right. Well, we're continuing a book of uh, a series of sermons on the book of the Bible called Philippians. We're calling the series Rooted in Joy. In this series, we are walking through the book of the Bible called Philippians. It was written by a man named the Apostle Paul, a famous early Christian. And the Apostle Paul wrote this book from prison. He says in the book that he is in chains. He was likely under house arrest in Rome. So he's in prison, he's in the clink, as we used to say. He's trying to not get shanked with a shiv, or however you would want to say that. He's in prison, and in fact, this flips our expectations on its head, because one of the major themes of the book is the theme of joy. He's writing about joy, and often we think of joy as somewhere out there, like joy, I'm going to have joy once I get through this situation. I'm going to have joy some years from now. Once the struggle is over, then I'll find joy. And yet Paul is sitting in prison, and he writes a book, he writes a letter that became a book of the Bible about joy. Paul is showing us through example and through his, uh, through his writing that you and I can be rooted in joy now. Joy is a reality in which our lives can be rooted now, that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you follow Jesus, if you ever come to follow Jesus, you can be rooted in joy now. So last week, kind of my closeout point was this, that I can be rooted in joy now because of my relationship with God through Jesus, because of the people God has placed in my life, because of the work that Jesus is doing in me and the work that Jesus is doing through me. I can be rooted in joy now because of my relationship with God through Jesus, the people God has placed in my life, the work that Jesus is doing in me, and the work that Jesus is doing through me. As Gray pointed out, we put together a rooted in joy soap journal. It looks like this. And it's at the info table, and it's at the table in the top lobby. And the point of a soap journal is to help you read through a book of the Bible on your own. 
So if that sounds like a scary sort of a thing, that's why we put this together. It, it, it's designed to break it up into small enough pieces, small enough chunks, that's a technical theological term, chunk, break it into small enough chunks that you could read and study the Bible on your own and ask, what is God trying to teach me through the book of the Bible called Philippians? So be sure to pick up the Rooted Enjoy Soap Journal at the info table. While you're at the info table, you can also grab the Rooted brochure. We started this last week. Rooted is a three-year campaign to uh, raise $3 million to buy the land on South Main Street for a more permanent home for Lake Forest Davidson. You can guess why we're calling it Rooted, most likely. So I'm just going to be honest here for a minute. $3 million is a lot of money. It just is a lot of money. And part of why I'm excited about Rooted is that uh, we're going to get to work together to accomplish something. Now, we work together to accomplish stuff all the time. Like every, every week we work together to do great work together. But this is a focal project that's going to let us see what happens when we all work together. So not everybody's going to give the same. Some people will give a lot. Some people will give a little. But we're asking everyone to consider how you can be joyfully and sacrificially involved with Rooted. So the Rooted Enjoy Soap Journal and the Rooted Brochure. Inside the Rooted Brochure, there's a pledge card. We're asking everyone to bring the pledge card back on. Do you remember? September 15th, someone said. Next week, everyone will say it, I know, but it's September 15th. Bring the pledge card along with any uh, initial contribution you're able to give, give to Rooted. Uh, of course, with the fumes in here today, if you're feeling like extra generous, you know, <laughs> no need to wait for the 15th. No, no, no. Take time, pray about it, think about it, ask God how, how you can be, can be part of it. Now remember, over the next three years, we still need to pay the staff, we still need to give to missions like you've heard today, we still need to rent this space, hopefully they don't up the rent because it's so pretty now, uh, we still need to do those things, so rooted, we're asking people to give over and above what they already give. I know that's scary, I know that's a big step, uh, and so that's why we're giving you time to think about it, pray about it, and, and ultimately what I'm excited about Is the 3.1 million now? Yeah, thank you, Matt. <laughs> is, is the opportunity, uh, the opportunity to be in our community and do ministry in our community for generations? So here we go. Paul, sitting in prison, Paul writes these words, Philippians chapter one, verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. So I want to make sure we're all clear. Paul is not in some magical world where it is easy to be rooted in joy. He is sitting in prison, and as he's sitting in prison, he receives words that some people, likely in Rome, have started to become preachers and preach about Jesus. And some people are preaching about Jesus because they really want folks to come to faith in Christ, but some are preaching primarily, well, because Paul's in jail, they could become the most popular preacher in Rome. And they would attract the biggest crowds. They do it for Jesus, of course, but, but they can do it now that Paul is, is in prison. And in fact, some of this latter group is starting to badmouth Paul as part of, their, part of their pitch. Does this sound like a good situation to you? 
You've got backbiting. You've got people stirring up trouble. You've got people motivated by envy and selfishness. Have you ever had to deal with people like that? You ever had to deal with situations like that? Or maybe they're sitting beside you right now and you're, you're thinking, should I glare at them or not? The point is that Paul is not in a magical world. Paul is in the midst of real life, and yet Paul says, I'm imprisoned for the defense of the gospel. In other words, God has me right where he wants me. Even in the midst of a hard situation, Paul says, God has me right where he wants me. Now, he talks a lot about the gospel in this book. The gospel, or sometimes it gets translated the good news, The gospel, or the good news, refers to the central message of Jesus, that through his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection, you and I can be eternally reconciled to God. The gospel, or good news, is the central message of Jesus, that you do not have to be alienated from God, that you can live in a relationship with God, a vibrant, a living, a transformative, an eternal relationship with the God of the universe, with your Creator, through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus, through trusting Jesus to be your bridge back to God. A relationship with God is not something you earn, it's not something you deserve, it's a gift. It's a, gift for, it's a gift given by Jesus, paid for by Jesus, freely offered by Jesus. So part of God, Paul's joy comes from knowing that God has him right where he wants him. And he continues in verse 18. He says about the people who preach from bad motives. He says, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. I rejoice. I have joy. Even though people are preaching out of bad motives, even though I'm sitting in prison, I rejoice. In the midst of real life, Paul is rooted in joy. So practically, how does he do that? Well, in this passage, we see two things that Paul recognizes God has a purpose for him, even in a difficult situation. And Paul names those things for which he can rejoice, even in a difficult situation. Even though he's in a difficult situation, Paul recognizes that God has a purpose for him, and Paul names the things for which he can rejoice. I love his response, which is, sure, some people preach Jesus out of bad motives, but they're preaching Jesus. So I rejoice, because over time, the the message will become more important than the messenger. That's what he's confident in, in this situation. Over time, people will start to forget who the messenger was, and they will lock in on the message, and that's where the transforming power is. This is part of why when you show up, I don't typically preach sermons about prosperity or about poverty or about politics. Right? It's not that God doesn't have anything to say about prosperity or poverty or politics. Uh, he has plenty of opinions about those things, God does. And I think as, as you listen to the sermons, you'll probably pick up on what some of them are. But, but the transforming power is in preaching Jesus. And as we continue to preach Jesus, he'll mold and change our hearts. And it may change how we vote. And it may change what we care about or how we engage with things. It may change all of these things. But the power starts at Jesus. 
And that's part of what I get excited about uh, for Rooted. Part of what excites me about Rooted is that uh, it gives us the opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus in this community for generations. And when I say preach, I'm using that in a really loose, I'm not ta- just talking about sermons now. I'm talking about the way that we serve our community, the way that we care for our community, love our community, that by purchasing land and hopefully ultimately putting a building on that land, we can provide a gift to the community. We can serve the community and love the community, love our neighbors for generations. This may sound really boring to you, but I study like churches in the U.S. context, and I have never found a 30-year-old church that rents a school. I found a 25-year-old church that rents a school, and in their 26th year, they moved into a more permanent facility. In other words, at some point, a church has to make a decision. And the decision is, have we been called to represent Jesus for, or preach Jesus for a generation or for generations? And either way is great, because either way, Jesus is preached. But we've come to the conviction that we think God is calling us to generations of ministry in this community, caring for this community, loving this community, and that is a source, at least to me, of great joy. When I think about Rooted, I don't think of it as trying to solve an immediate need. It might solve some immediate needs. I think of it as kind of a long-term legacy thing, generations of ministry. Paul's point in all this is, God has a purpose for me. God has a purpose for you. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you're in the midst of, God has a purpose for you. And as you look around, you will find some things or maybe many things for which you can rejoice. Paul continues, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. This is about the 20th time he's used joy or rejoice in the letter. We get it. We get it, Paul. I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So this is another practical layer is how is Paul rooted in joy? Paul is rooted in joy because he recognizes that his suffering will not last forever. It's not eternal. God is eternal. Faith is eternal. Following Jesus is eternal. But being in prison in Rome is not eternal. For to me to live is Christ, Paul writes, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. Now, I love the honesty of this passage. Paul is sitting in prison, most likely in Rome, so likely he's awaiting trial to figure out if it's illegal to be a Christian. And if it's illegal to be a Christian, is it a capital offense? That's what Paul's in the midst of. You could see how that kind of waiting would really wear on you, how that kind of waiting would be a heavy weight on top of you. Am I going to be executed for the crime of being a Christian? And yet, in the midst of it, Paul says, I find so much joy in knowing that my suffering, my hardship, is not going to last forever. This imprisonment is not going to last forever. God's going to deliver me from my imprisonment. And he's going to do it one of two ways. He's going to deliver me miraculously in this life, or he's going to deliver me through my death. 
But either way, this thing is not going to last forever. And so Paul is torn about which one he should want more. Should he want to stay alive so that he could continue to care for this church, so that he could continue to, to uh, point people to Jesus, or should he want to die so that he can see Jesus? Verse 23, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So in this really little section, Paul kind of gives us a template for how to face hardship as a Christian. He says, I know that following Jesus is eternal and my hardship is not. And so God's going to deliver me from this one way or the other. He's going to deliver me from this hardship or this suffering, either miraculously in life or ultimately through my death. But either way, it's not going to last forever. And because the struggle is going to come to an end, I rejoice. I rejoice in anticipation of this struggle coming to an end. And it's up to God how God's going to deliver us. But Paul says, I really hope I get to stick around. And the reason he says he hopes he gets to stick around is in that really bottom line. He says he wants to see people's progress and joy in the faith. I love that line. Progress and joy in the faith. I'm doing this soap journal too. Like I don't get out of getting to do the soap journal. So, so as I do the soap journal, there's little words or phrases that kind of jump out at me that I had, that, 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 just take on a different meaning, maybe because of what I'm going through or something like that. But that's one that's jumped out at me, progress and joy in the faith. So then Paul summarizes the first part of his letter with a really simple sentence. Thank goodness for summaries. In case the fumes are taking you down, here's a summary of the first chapter of Philippians. Paul writes, whatever happens, Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens to me in prison, Paul's saying, whatever happens to you guys in the Philippian church, because it may be illegal to be a Christian now, Whatever happens to us here in 21st century USA, whatever happens to you, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, when I first hear that, I think, okay, don't get in a fight in the church parking lot, right? That, and that's been a big problem at our church, so I feel like I need to address it here for a minute. What I hear it is that, right? That's not worthy of the gospel. When I'm coming in or out of church, I should be in a, in a different place. But what if Philippians is trying to say something more than that? Because why did Paul want to stick around in the first, first place? He wanted to see people's progress and joy in the faith. So what if conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus, what if it means act like you've heard some good news? 
act like you've heard the good news. So yes, let's grow in seeking God as our first priority, not our last resort. That's worthy of the gospel, to seek God as a first priority, not a last resort. Let's grow in our kindness to others. Let's grow in our compassion for the poor and the powerless. That's worthy of the gospel. Let's grow in our ethics, in our morality, in our integrity. That's worthy of the gospel. Let's grow in giving our time and serving willingly. Let's grow in giving generously of uh, money. That's worthy of the gospel. And... Let's pursue a life of God-honoring joy. 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 To live a life of joy is worthy of the gospel. A life that says, I have received good news. I am being transformed by good news. Do you need good news? I know someone who has good news. You should come meet this Jesus. He has good news. To live a life rooted in joy and motivated by joy. Because it would be so easy to be rooted in fear and motivated by fear. But to live a life rooted in joy and motivated by joy is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a manner worthy of the good news. Remember that. It means good news. It was the same word they would often use to describe when you heard you were getting a tax cut. It was good news. Let's live in a manner worthy of the good news, which includes joy. Joy, joy, joy. progress, and joy in the faith. So my question for us as I kind of wrap up is this one. How might you become more rooted in joy? Kind of an obvious one here today. How might you, based on what you've heard from the first chapter of Philippians, how might you become more rooted in joy? As part of your own progress and joy in the faith. For you, it might look like finding a deep joy that comes from placing your trust in Jesus, deciding to follow Jesus. Maybe for you, you need to recognize that God has given you a purpose. You're in the midst of hardship right now, a real difficult time, and you need to recognize God has given you a purpose. Maybe for you, you need to name the things in your life for which you can rejoice. Or maybe you need to rejoice in the fact that as a follower of Jesus, your hardship, the difficulty you're in, it's not going to last forever. But my prayer for our congregation uh, this week is that we would continue to grow in our progress and joy in the faith. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, a chance to talk to God, a chance to listen to God about whatever it is He's been stirring up in your heart or in your mind.
Just take this quiet moment for personal prayer. Lord, I thank you for the book of Philippians, for your word to us. I thank you for this land you've provided for us on South Main Street. We see both of these as your provision, as a gift, not earned or deserved. And I pray as we walk forward in both of these uh, things that, that we will grow closer to you as a result. Lord, I thank you for all the folks gathered here today. You know each of us better than we know ourselves. You know what we're going through. You know what we're going to go through. You know the opportunities before us and the opportunities you will place before us. The people in our lives that are gifts and the people in our lives that don't feel like gifts... Lord, I pray for our progress and joy in the faith. Lord, for some of us, the first step of that progress is simply to step over the line of faith, to begin following Jesus as the scariest and most rewarding step of our lives. Lord, for others of us, the progress is to turn over a piece of our lives or an area or a situation, turn it over to your care, your watchful care, to let you transform us as we walk through it, to transform us as we try to mend that relationship, to transform us as we figure out what the future holds. And Lord, I pray that as we follow you, we will not be overcome with a sense of duty so much as a deep sense of joy. I pray we would be rooted in joy and that it would transform the way we see you and see the people around us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.